Welcome to Urgent Care. The woman leading us in our theater warm-ups today <laughs> is, of course, Mitra Johari. And my, you don't know if he's my co-director or my husband, his name is <laughs> Joel Kim Booster. And this is, of course, our podcast that we host together in which we take calls and we take emails and we answer your advice. Uh, answer your advice. This is... We answer your advice. This what is, a, and that is, and that is sort of emblematic of what we do here at Urgent Care, which is do everything wrong. Well, I kind of want to pose a question to the listener: Is okay. what would you do? What what would it what would happen if we did a good job introing the show? Would you continue listening, or would you think that you know the it's this actually isn't the urgent care that I that I paid for? Wow, that is tough. That is tough. I think people want this from us. I think people like it when we are broken down. And sort of <laughs> in pain. Anyways, I'm feeling absolutely psychotic this week. Mitra, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, I had a very sort of tumultuous week. I feel like um middle of the week, which is when we record the podcast, is usually sort of the low for me, which yeah. is which is perfect that we have um put ourselves in this position <laughs> to kind of record the show when we are feeling kind of at our absolute mental uh-huh. worst. Um I I'm speaking for myself, but I, you know, who 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 knows? I can't speak for both of us. You're just my husband slash co director. No, we're you're not absolutely right. We're not actually one person. We're just a co directing slash yeah. ambiguously sexually <laughs> involved <laughs> <laughs> couple. Um <laughs> um yeah I I, I um I think you know the the passing of another month was a big thing for yeah. me. I think it was um I mean I I don't know if I think I didn't talk about this last week but it, just for this feel uh, sorry if I did but this is just the the feeling of like this is the first month that we have lost in quotes like mm. like we had a we had a week of March but like the feeling of like oh my god April is a fucking wash it's it, like it does March. and it does feel I think the more it feels like summer outside the more um, sad it's hard it's hard to it's hard it, you're and I think we're and we're we're getting more and more information about how long we're gonna be inside. And I think yes. we've all we're all sort of mourning now and realizing that for many of us, summer is just not going to happen, and maybe even fall might not even happen. And yeah, and I think there's this sense that like the world is on pause, so like time has stopped. And then I think you know paying uh, paying rent on May first, I was like, nope, <laughs> like uh, a, a, yeah. a new month. It is. I think um, what what it is for me is that like it's weird. To feel like I got so used to feeling a certain way and the routine, I guess my emotional routine and for me to move into a new phase, I'm like, 
oh wait, there's going to be multiple phases of this. It's not going to just be one feeling. It's not going to just be one way. You, does that make any sense? Like Totally. It's like, I, I keep thinking like, and now I've adjusted. And yes. then like a, yeah. new, a new emotion will enter the fray or like yeah. a new frustration or a new sadness or something. It's like every time I'm, I do feel that way. Like I feel like sort of like once a week, I'm like, I have like one really kind of okay day a week where I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I've got this all figured out. And then like one little thing will happen. I'm like, well, fuck. Like, I guess it is a pandemic, isn't it? Well, my brain doctor, my psychiatrist told me that I should stop smoking weed every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, stu- I, I'm like, okay. And he said, I'm not going to tell you to stop completely because we're in California and, and it is this time. And that's he's like, I just I'm not going to ask you to do something that I know you can't do, um, which is cool. It's cool that I have a cool doctor. But he was like, you should just save it for a treat, like a weekend treat. And I was like, oh, OK. So that's what I've been doing this week. And I have to say, um, I have not been able to sleep and I feel depressed. And it's just sort of like, what am I doing? Like, why don't I just like why don't I just destroy my body and my brain with um, uh, a naturally occurring drug that comes from the ground? You know, that's what I want to yeah. do. But I'm being good. I haven't done it yet. That's but good. It, that is that is something I, I must be in the air because, like, who knew uh, six weeks of drinking almost every day would feel <laughs> really bad after it was done? I, I also sort of hit my wall of being like, you know, maybe this actually isn't fun of me anymore. And I should see if there's anything else that can make me feel good. And the answer is um, not really. But no, yeah. It, I've just been going to bed longer. at literally nine o'clock because I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't think there's do. anything else to do. <laughs> I so, feel the same way. I'm really gonna... like, okay, well, I, you know, I've already looked at this drawer a hundred times. <laughs> so maybe it's time to uh go to bed (laughs) it's um it's a real it's a real struggle um because i'm not gonna read a book (laughs) oh god no oh you know what book i did read the astonishing life of august march by our Uh, good friend aaron jackson you must read so good an absolute breeze i can't recommend a quarantine read more than like that has just been like it's really it's the only book i have finished during quarantine unfortunately It is sort of like watching a movie, but in your brain, you know? It was and that is what, And that's the experience you want from a book, I find. I felt totally transported. It's so fun. And, like, there are definitely, like, there's tragedy in this boy's life, the, the, main, the main subject, August March. But it's also, it's just such a, like, fun, imaginative book that I, re- like, it's, it's, you're just. Yeah. It, and. And guess what, guys? You can still order books from uh, your local bookstore. I've been doing that. Every book I've bought during the pandemic, I've bought from either Skylight here in L.A. or Powell's in Portland, which is my favorite bookstore in the, the world. The coolest, the coolest. Um, but yeah, read if, you, if you're buying books, try and buy them local. There's, what do you got? Like, the only difference between that and Amazon is you're helping a small business. And yes, it will take a little bit longer for it to get there. But what the fuck do you care we're going to be inside what? for the next six months. Oh, are you going to read it? Are you actually going to yeah. read it? <laughs> when it gets there, you're going to read it right away? What's been, the difference between that and a week? I've trans- This is the period I'm in transitioned to during quarantine is I've been bidding on stuff on eBay. 
Yeah, so that's like, a dangerous, is a, dangerous. You keep little, you keep talking about being outbid on stuff, and I'm I like, know. So, well, so because I think I'm not like the only one <laughs> into eBay now. Yeah, I guess I'm an eBay boy. Um, You're an well, eBay boy. So let's just dive in. I, I, you know, I apologize in advance for everybody we who was lucky enough to get selected for this week because I know that my head feels bad, but I'm still going to give it at least thirty three percent. And um, I'm just kind of in the best place of my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the sort of silver lining is just your voice. You will be able to hear your own voice on a podcast you cherish, but. <laughs> Will it? Will you get good advice? Well, well you, you'll oh. just have to wait and see. Um, but you we do have some I, updates. <laughs> I, I want to give one quick oh, update yeah. about what sad thing I got into this week, which is tie-dying socks. <laughs> socks? Why socks? I was just like, it felt sort of, I, I ordered just like a pack of white socks because I was like, I'm not like, I don't know if I'm going to like be good at this, but socks, oh, I feel like if it safe. looks like absolute shit, I'll still be get to wear it like if i make a really bad sweatshirt i'm gonna feel really bad well, but the socks actually turned out okay <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned tie-dyeing because i've thought about diving into that pool as well because i have a white hoodie that i really love but i keep eating marinara sauce in and <laughs> and it's just i've absolutely destroyed that's, it that's totally out of your control like <laughs> no yeah i could never take it off well, or not, you take off the not alone in marinara my, in it yeah never <laughs> never, never, never never so <laughs> multiple times yes and so i was like well, wh- it's not how- like a truck r- runs over like a muddy puddle near it no, like, no. You- <laughs> i choose to eat the worst possible f- sauce imaginable in a white and an all white hoodie but i've ruined it and it's my favorite and i've decided and i've decided the thing i can do to save it is tie-dye it and then just yeah that's sort of what i'm gonna do but let's get to these updates because we got a, yes. we got a lot of show today so <laughs> dana play that first update please <laughs> hey joel mitra mitra joel um just listen to the prod uh long time listener um first time caller uh just heard the episode with um Mimi, um, the, the <laughs> caller that was talking about um, how her friend was sending her memes from That's, private accounts. That was not the name we gave her. And she really but... just didn't give a shit. Um, and I think that maybe what you should have told her was just to have her respond with a simple, like, LOL. I, I do it all the time. If people, like my friends and stuff like that, send me memes that I really don't want to see or really don't give a shit about i'll just write back lol and it seems to work i mean they think that i've looked at it and everybody's happy so yeah so uh keep up the good work and i will leave it at that thanks so i can't remember who said this to me this this is not the only response that we got to this particular call um somebody a friend of mine was also like just send three of the skull the like dead emojis mm-hmm. or like um, crying crying, crying face. smiley face um i realized that what i do with most of my friends is send a simple omg oh my god because <laughs> it could mean everything and anything I just related so much to the caller because I personally always follow the account and feel like I have to have like a, oh my God, I loved it when she fell or like a very specific thing. And really people don't care. They just want to be acknowledged. But I understand that we, we gave, I'm sorry we went above and beyond on our podcast, I guess. Sorry we we took this woman into our bosoms and gave her some 
incredible advice. Um, but yeah, I guess um, say LOL. Yeah, I'm I'm laughing thinking about that advice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've humiliated him enough. Um, it's good. It's a good. It's a good adenum. It's a good adenum. Everybody said it. He wasn't the only one. We just yeah. Say LOL. We're mad. We're angry. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, next update. This one from, um, oh, this is a real update. Yeah, this is an update, not a correction. (laughs) You really do need to have a correction section. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Joel. Hey, Mitra. Love you both equally. This is uh, Pope John Polly with an update. Um, I just wanted to share same day that the episode went out. I was actually uh, talking to a really old friend of mine the next four um, I was like, hey, I, they played this uh, call-in I did on this podcast. I didn't really know the name they gave me, but I thought the advice was pretty good. And I sent her the, the podcast, and like immediately she Venmoed me money for a new dildo. And I got it, and it has changed my life. Every time I do it, I use it, I mean, I get like fuck drunk. It's great. Um, also just wanted to like, you know, take some pride in myself being the first person to like offer for both of you to sit on. You know, a uh, person's mm-hmm. face. Anyways, love you. Thank you. And happy quarantine. <laughs> and here we, and you're so welcome, Pope John Pauly, um, because I'm, we changed go, his life, you know? I'm so happy that you, like, this This seems to me like maybe one of our greatest success stories. Mm-hmm. Like, this person got, a, got free money. A free tilto. And a perfect name that they love. And a perfect name that they love. And <laughs> he introduced us to a phrase that I haven't, I've never even heard of, fuck drunk, um, yeah. which I love. I'm I love so that. scared. When I, heard, when I heard fuck drunk, I was like, is this another thing where we're hearing something? And it's not, it's not that. But I do think he said fuck drunk. But no, he said fuck drunk. I'm scared he's going to be like, no, I actually said like, um, like I live in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I live in such fear every time we think we hear something. But the now. problem is, is whenever we mishear something, context clues upon reflection should have been our guide. And I will say, <laughs> in this case, the context clues are clear. Like, he definitely said fuck drunk. I'm I'm positive. Um, <laughs> okay. I trust you. Why? I trust you, Joel. Your, your mic is completely... Well, I mean, that's sort of like the energy of the whole podcast. Yeah. Is, well, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why are they doing this why do they trust each other yeah. what's going on why are they allowed to do this no one asked but actually the case the, the fact is is many people have asked and in fact so many people have asked that we must move on to the meat the meat of the podcast after this break oh wait oh, real quick yes. before we move on I do want to shout out the person who made a cup a mug of us oh yeah that was so cool us our so faces on a mug cool. or our bodies on a mug it was cool and they did the outline I, of our logo I was doing a pose oh that's what it was it was the outline of our logo I was like why did they choose one where my I was like showing my armpit off I was like so confused but uh, apparently that is a pose that I return to I'm doing it right now for Misha <laughs> on cam sort of just Thank displaying you. my pit and I'm um, my tie-dye but no off. it was really cool and I was so happy it did um you know, it was maybe one of five bright spots in my week so far. So I loved it. So cool. That. Thank you. Made me so excited. Thank you to that person. And and also to the person who called in and said, um, like, you wish Pat Regan were on this podcast instead. I'm, I have some news for you. Pat Regan doesn't listen to this podcast. So when you ask Pat Regan to sit on your face, guess what, babe? He's not going to hear it, even if we played <laughs> it, because he does not listen. And on that <laughs> note, on that note, Dana, take us into a break. 
Joel's crying. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Manic energy. <laughs> we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. You know, there's um, a real, there's a real darkness and manic energy to this episode I know. that I, I'm really enjoying. It really, it's. Oh, we should say um, for the listeners that we, me and Mitra, we did Freaky Friday um, this week. Normally, Mitra is sort of lounging in a bed, and I'm <laughs> at my desk in my workspace. And this week, Mitra's sort of legs up, sort of <laughs> spread, spread eagle for the cam um, in her her workspace and here i am in my bed just sort of an invalid can't can't get out won't get out um <laughs> and me i've just sealed a fucking deal yeah <laughs> i'm sitting at a desk i've sealed she's just a deal. signed some papers um <laughs> and that's sort of the energy that we're going to bring to the advice calls so dana please play that first call dana looking radiant Hi, Mitra yeah, and Joel. As always. Joel and Mitra. i just really don't want to get in the middle of that but i have to go um I am a white mix. I'm a white female, and my best friend is a white. And ever since she was about 13, she's had dreadlocks. And when she got the dreadlocks, I don't think she had ever heard about cultural appropriation or anything like that. And um, the woman who gave them to her was like this like hippie white woman. And so she was like, oh my God, I'm going to be just like this woman, blah, blah, blah. Ten years later, She's had these dreads for about 10 years. We get insights about it like every couple months. Um, but it's really honestly kind of got in between our relationship because she really cares about other people. And to me, it really seems like she really cares about the black community. But there's just this one thing that she like will not listen to me or any any person around us about and she won't cut them off and she gets tired at jobs and flirted with all the time with them but you know I have black friends with dreads that get fired from jobs for them so it's definitely been like an yeah she's profiting off of black culture you know um and it's gotten to the point where like my friends don't want to be seen out with her and they love her but they have black boyfriends or black friends that are like, who the hell is this girl? And I just don't know how to talk to her about it because she just has people in her life that have confirmed it for so long and it's just become a really huge deal. Um, I was just wondering if you guys had any tips to talk to a white woman who is just not listening. An impossible, impossible ask, I'm sure. Um, thank you. Have a great day. Oh, boy. And who could have guessed that when we put this together today, we would start with this question? Something I was not prepared to. <laughs> I was not prepared <laughs> to lead with. And yet I am responsible for it. I was the one who said, listen to this call. I think this would be great to lead off with because it's really interesting. And it's, well, really... it's like sort of like hard comedy. Like it's sort of just jokes, yeah. jokes, 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 jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we're just diving into the deep end. We're right. I'm up the deep end. Watch as I dive in. And usually you, this is when my mic cuts out. Did um, you see that um, Anna Saragina, the very funny comedian Anna Saragina, put together a montage uh, or a, yeah, a, a clip video of 
father-daughter duos singing shallows and like the dad's reactions when the daughters sing that part of the song and it's incredible and you should look her up on the internet uh her account is at touching cheeses i believe or at cash money or whatever sorry but look her up it's a very funny video and it brought me a lot of joy today wow Um, um so sort of back to this girl um, and of course, again, once again, I, I don't even know what episode number this is, but I will never remember that we have to name these people. No! Um, never! Well, never prepared. Never, never prepared. prepared. Um, and on some days like this, feeling really scared. Um, so, sir, dreadlocks, white women. Um, Rachel Dolezal. Rachel Dolezal. Um... <laughs> um, um um, what, okay, you're going to be mad at me. <laughs> okay. I, honestly, to feel anything but sadness would be a, a boon to me at this point. So anger, I would cha- I would choose it. So lay it on me. <laughs> Rachel Dolezal 2. <laughs> Rachel Dolezal 2. Well, the thing, the thing is, is that this girl is not... We're naming this girl. Oh, yeah, not her friend. <laughs> Um, Dolezal Slayer. That's bad. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, Z- Zana don't, Zola don't, Zola <laughs> don't. No, um, okay, so maybe Rachel Dolezal was the wrong thing because we're talking about her friend. What about Rachel Dolezal's friend? <laughs> Rachel Dolezal's friend. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel friend. Okay, so Rachel Dolezal's friend. Here's what I'll say. Um, you talk a lot about your friends, black friends, and you're, you're like you're not the girl with not Rachel Dolezal's friends, but your friends, black friends, and your friends, black boyfriends. Does she have any black friends? Because this is the thing: is that if if we're to believe what you your assessment of this girl that she cares about other people and she cares about the black community then I have to assume that she has close friends and like if they're the ones who I think are the only ones who who would be able to get through to her about this, right? Like the thing that the thing that was confusing to me about this call was that, um, you know, our Rachel Dolezal's friend, our caller was saying that she's had all these conversations with the friend every couple of months yeah and but but at the same time it's like it sounds like she's not communicating how all of these other people are upset with her friend like it seems like she's telling her that it's a bad idea but i i couldn't quite get a grip on if she's like giving her friend the information that all of these people are really upset with her or if it's just her being like hey i think you should not do the thing but it's like if your friend has the information that it is offensive to people and then continues to do it which it sounds like she does and if she has common sense then she knows then i think like you've said your piece and there's really nothing else you can do yeah yeah i mean i don't know i don't think that this is worth ending a friendship but i do think it's worth demoting a friend you know because we all have tears we all have tears it's all like patreon um friendship you know and i think um sort of like i think if she's not gonna take your word then i think she has to take your action and and again like i don't know um this is tough because it's not for either of us again i i wish you were um 
I wish you could confirm that she had close black friends that either cared or didn't care. Um, because it is so like with cultural appropriation, it's so contextual and like, yes, like her getting jobs at the same place that people might not, that black people with the same hairstyle might not be able to get a job at is that is what, that is the reason why cultural appropriation is wrong. It's not like just because we don't want white people to have the same hairstyles. It's because there are systemic you know, issues in place that, that make it unfair to um, uh, African-Americans to having the same hairstyle. Is this any, any of this, is any of this making sense? Any it this? is making sense. I said but the it's, word it's systemic. Like, so, you know, I know what I'm talking about. But but it, but I, I think it's like your friend for sure should know. And if you have conveyed all of the information that you know to your friend, which it sounds like you have, then there's nothing else you can do. And all you can do now is like, you know, it, damage control. Does, does she know? <laughs> does your friend know that people don't want to hang out with her or be seen with her in public? Like, if that's something that I she doesn't you, know, yeah, then say that. Like, that. I, I would, I would put it all out there because it's like if you're having the same fight over and over again, that is fucking exhausting, especially for something as like lame as her standing by a choice that upsets people. Yeah. Um. So do the last like take your last stand and then after that you have to decide what you do with that information which i think she cuts the hair i think she you should just do her it over for a sleepover and she cuts <laughs> off her hair and then let and then let the chips fall where they may you know if the friendship survives that then the friendship can survive anything can i share something yeah. and i don't i don't think i've shared it on the podcast before is that i personally had cornrows for one year of elementary school <laughs> because and my again my mom did not quite know what to do with my hair and it was really long and um, there, there was no sense of what to do with long curly hair uh, uh, and she threw it in cornrows. Um, and much like, you know, I think there is something to the fact that like, you know, we're all learning, we're all on different we're journeys all and, and, you know, we're all at different places in that journey and unfortunately your friend is at a place now, you know, where in her journey where she should know better. But. She should know better. And I'll say, I don't think, I don't think we would make that decision now together. Yeah. Me and my mother would not make that decision now, but I will say because there are you're some at, very funny you're pictures. Oh, <laughs> and that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Who would be mad? Um, if you have thoughts on this, please feel free um, to sound off. I mean, absolutely. Urgentcarepod at gmail.com. Um, 323-334-0371. Um, we'd love to hear more, um, especially if you have, you know, personal experience. Um, with um, dreadlocks or cutting your friend's hair. Um, yes. Do you have any them, advice on how to sneakily um, cut your friend's hair? Okay. When they're, when they're wrong. When they're wrong. When they're only. wrong. When they're wrong. Um, cool. So, Mitra, do you want to read this email? I would actually be so honored to do that. Okay. That would be so cool of you to do. <laughs> Hi, Mitra and Joel and vice versa. Interesting. I'm a girl who will be turning 18 in a few months. and I'm thinking of joining Seeking Arrangement in search of a sugar daddy with the hope of building some savings. I've been watching all these sugar baby advice videos. And the more I think about it, the less radical it seems. I should mention that I'm currently a virgin and I don't want to get involved in sugaring until I've had sex at least once. I'm thinking of joining Tinder once I turn 18 and finding a quick hookup and then looking for a sugar daddy after. But I worry that I'd be rushing it. Essentially, I don't want to get into sugaring and regret it, but I also don't want to miss out on something that could be potentially quite lucrative. Also, I wonder about how I might look back and see myself differently for sleeping with much older men. I know you can, in theory, not sleep with them, but it would be naive for me to think that I would have much success going that route. What should I do? Um, wow. I really, 
So I'm go- we're going to be real transparent. Some weeks, Mitra decides the order of the calls, and sometimes I throw them up on a Google Doc. And this week, I really front-loaded it with some heavy shit. <laughs> I decided... <laughs> Um, that it was too dangerous to leave it to when we're tired at the end of an episode. So I, I actually said, think you did perfectly. Um, cool. Um, so what are we <laughs> going to name this girl, this young girl? Um, Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> um, That's the first thing I thought of. Um, <laughs> Cradle Robbie. <laughs> Cradle Robbie. Like like her cradles being robbed. Yeah, and sort of like a mar- and and I'm picturing Margot Robbie too. Mm-hmm. So um, I love that. Um, Thank you. The, um, the cradle, no, I like cradle Robbie. Cradle Robbie is it, it but is spelled like Margot Robbie. But spelled like Margot Robbie. July, if you're listening, it's spelled like Margot Robbie. Cradle <laughs> Robbie. Um, Let's hope we can beat this, but who can say at this so- at this juncture? This is a tough one. I think here's here's what I'll say generally about being 18. If you live your life about what you're going to regret at 18, the decisions you made at 18, I think um, you'll find you won't be doing a lot because I you just don't know what you don't know. And I think that m- most everyone regrets a lot about what they did at 18. Yes. Um, so- I'm a pretty pragmatic person, and I think I've made a lot of good decisions overall. And when mm-hmm. I think about what I was doing when I was 18, I was like, you fucking dumb little bitch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this, for some reason, Miss Robbie seems so much more thoughtful than I was at 18. Honestly, oh, me too. Or pre-18. <laughs> like, this, I mean, it's one of our shortest emails ever, first of all. And oh, the most succinct t- person that we've succinct had. Succinct and knows what they want and, and what, and, you know, and like, I don't know. I'm sort of in support of this. I'm in support of it with a caveat. I think you don't rush the virginity part. And I do think you use, because um, I, I actually looked into this post-college, not when I was 18, because I was deeply, deeply in student loan debt and was sort of at my wit's end. And I thought about it a lot. And I did my own research. And yeah, the game's probably changed a little bit since then. But there are options. There are non-sexual or sexually adjacent um, sugar daddies out there who aren't looking necessarily for that. I think there's a lot of role play options. Um, I think there's a lot of um, pay, um, pay pigs out there. Who mm-hmm. can sort of scratch this itch? I think also that you can use that as a selling point of like, hey, I'm a virgin and I'm going to stay a virgin the entire time. But don't you want a young virginal girl hanging off your arm, Daddy? Um, and I'm so sorry if this bums somebody out who's listening to this, but this is a thing. Like, this sounds like a self possessed woman who is like making a decision based on her needs and her wants. And like, it's, I don't know. I, I sort of like, at first when I read this email, I was like, I can see us sort of telling her to, Hey, slow down. But now hearing you read it, I'm like, no, this is right. And I think she uses the virgin part as a selling point. I think, I think like, I, I totally agree with your advice about um, the virginity element of it. I think, racing to the finish line with regards to that. I by no means think virginity is precious. I did not. I I definitely was like, let's get this over with. But I think just, I I think like making sure that that part of it, it, do that part of it safely, just because like, it sounds like you have so much 
you're, you're so thoughtful about the sugar side, like the, the sugar daddy side of it. And I, I would just want to encourage this person. And I think As this person is yeah. very smart. And I, and I can tell that this person has put a lot of thought into this, but it seems like the, like the sex part of it is a little bit, bit of an afterthought, but when you're engaging in like a sexually charged transaction, which is what that is, like, I think just every part of this experience, I think approach with the same amount of thoughtfulness that you're giving yeah, I, 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 it's not that I think virginity is important, but I would like you to develop sexually sort of non-concurrently with this side hustle that yes. you're entering into. It's, it's like, it's, it, although like you are thinking about this as work, this is also something that is about pleasure. So I think having an understanding of your own body and your uh -huh. own pleasure and your own relationship to your sexuality outside of it being a means to an end. Yeah. Um, I don't think, yeah. I, I just don't like the idea of you rushing into sex for this job. I yes. think like if you want to rush into sex because you want to get it over with and then start having sex, um, you know, beyond the virginity part because you're curious or whatever, like, g g you know, do it. But I think you need to like keep this sort of part of your life as a business. And I think that um, your virginity could be a really useful tool in that. And I think also like you're you know, mixing business, like the idea of mixing business and pleasure. Like, I think you, you should understand like what joy I, I would like. The, I, I think that's what I would like for myself if I were in this position position is understanding like what kind of pleasure and what kind of joy sex can bring me before it is my income. I mean, I feel like with any career, it's like yeah. doing, doing a bunch of like comedy. It, like to me, it's the equivalent of doing comedy in basements with your friends before you like are mm -hmm. in a professional writer's room. It's like yeah. you understand <laughs> how fun it could be and then you make money off of it. It's like kind exactly. of how I feel. So that would be my advice. I certainly think like you are like, I don't know. I, I think like looking back in, on yourself sleeping with much older men, that kind of stuff like I think you just have to really think about like what I don't think think about like the regret I think worry about like what you want and like what if it's worth it and if are you doing it safely because you're you're gonna regret shit from your teens no matter yeah. what yeah I will say that I slept with a lot of older men when I was um your age and slightly older and it's not the age thing that I look back on and regret it is I think there are certain guys and certain attitudes and certain um ways that I think I was not sort of Mm, respected that's what i regret i don't yeah. regret sleeping generally with older men i think it is like there are definitely guys that can't that in hindsight i am now creeped out by but i don't think it is the age factor that was paramount in that sort of um viewing of my memories so good luck to you let us update us update us see how i would love to hear from you and make sure and please be safe please text a friend the addresses of any place you're going i have a special text thread just for that when i see a stranger from the internet and i just want you to be safe yes. that's really paramount that's the thing that i'm most concerned about is your safety yes M mother and father would like to see you be safe. Yes, please te actually text the urgent care line, the addresses of every <laughs> single one. We can receive, oh, that's opening up can of worms. I mean, it'll just, it's just like an email. It's just sending us an email basically. But yeah, please do. Please um text urgent care um, every time. <laughs> but also you text, go your friends, text your friends. And text your friends. <laughs> um, but I would like, I personally would like to know the addresses of these men just so that. So I you can, can go. Text. Yeah, so <laughs> I can go and so I can sort of just like, you know, see how things are going and be like, knock, knock. How's, she, how's wonder, my girl doing? I also wonder if like OnlyFans might be an option for this person too, like like something like I mean whatever we can, yeah I mean but I but I think I, that's like something she's not that she's she doesn't specify specifically why this is the form of 
not is it considered sex work if it's an arrangement? I don't know. Um, but uh, I'm not exactly sure where that falls on the spectrum of sex work. But um, yeah, um, check out OnlyFans too. I mean, I'm sure that's she's something young. that's just she more like in, yeah, you totally know about it. I, I don't want to like patronize this person, but I'm just like as as this person is figuring out like their sexuality and all that kind of stuff and coming more to terms with themselves. Like if this is like you know if you feel like oh maybe I'll give it a year or something like that. Like yeah. that's a a feasible way to make money in the meantime. So yeah, blah blah. Right. Well, we got another <laughs> call, Dana. Play that call. Hello, host of Urgent Care and Dana. My husband and I, like everyone, are adjusting to the new quarantine life. Both of us are still working, but while his job remains 9 to 5, my job isn't really conducive to remote work, so I'm only really working between 10 to 15 hours a week, mostly on an emergency basis. Because I have more time, I've assumed most of the household responsibilities. At first it was fine, but now things are starting to get to me, as I'm not only doing the everyday stuff, but also taking on the obnoxious tasks like cleaning the bathroom. What's really getting to me, though, is I'm also picking up after him constantly. His cups, his clothes, emptying his trash, etc. Before quarantine, I still did a lot of the housework because, you know, we live in a gendered society and also my husband is a little lazy. But he compensated for this by paying for a monthly maid, but we're obviously not doing that during quarantine. And back then, we also weren't in the house as much, so shit didn't constantly pile up. I keep reminding slash mocking him to clean up after himself, and I'm starting to sound like a heinous bitch, i.e. my own mother. I should add that he is not an asshole and recognizes his shortcomings, but I think part of the problem is he genuinely does not notice the mess he makes. Since I'm not doing my job as much, I feel like maybe I should be doing this housework to, like, quote, earn my keep. But on the other hand, it's not like he makes enough to keep me as a real housewife. And, like, girl can't run the room by every once in a while. Am I being unreasonable? Should he notice more? And if so, how do I get him to do that? Or should I just chill that out? Love the pod and thanks for your help. If you side with me, I will probably play the episode <laughs> on repeat. But if not, my husband will never learn about it. Thanks. Incredible. I love, love the end of that. I love I, that energy. That, that, would that is exactly also, what she should do. Yes, that would obviously be my approach as well. Yeah. <laughs> well I'm sure that's most. In fact, I think she's just being honest about what the approach of any relationship dispute um, that happens on this podcast. Um, yes. If I'm right, out. you never hear the end of it. If I'm wrong, shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> so, um, Unreal Housewife, Fran mm. Drescher, Mrs. Doubtfire. These are all the sort of references that I'm starting from. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that piques anything for you. Um, Fran. Um, real. So, Real Housewives. We're thinking, I'm thinking like um, Real. The Count. The Countess Lou, man, clean up your shit. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that I really get yelled at on this I podcast. I know, I know. <laughs> but listen, I'm in a dark place. I'm sort of, I'm sort of in your headspace right now. I know. So when you're um, laying down, you're, you're thinking of full sentences with yeah. names. Which I'm just now looking at how sexual I look at the camera oh, yeah. right now. Wow, I'm going <laughs> to screenshot, actually. The Countess Lou, man, clean up your shit. That's what we're going to go with. Countess it's my ode to Mitro. Thank you. You know My what? The name, Dimitra. the whole name should be Countess Lou. Man, clean up your shit. Joel Kim Booster's Ode to Mitra. Yep. <laughs> and that's the title of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So obviously, we're going to side with you. I mean, here's oh, the course. thing. Like, I think it's very cool of you to, like, you have more time. And that's the thing. That's the thing about, I think, domestic tasks is that it really is a budget of time. And, like, time is money. And so, like, 
I don't think you need to necessarily like look at it only in monetary monetary like like the the lens of of who's making the money right now but like it's a time thing and you have a little bit more time so i think it's generous of you to use that time especially in this very weird time to do extra housework but i do think that like you're because you're both spending so much time indoors that he should be even more cognizant than he might normally be of his own behavior and i have a great suggestion mitra what is it joel I think you get a special notepad and I think you just, you don't overload him with things, but I think you just, you, you'd say, you designate it and you say, Hey, every day at like maybe at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, just look at the little notepad and you can say bedroom floor socks, like things like little things, like maybe five things that he can do to like that. Like, cause again, like I think you're very, you're being very generous that like, you know, you're treating him honestly like a child, like a, like mm-hmm. a simple child who who could not think for him, like to think of these things himself. So get him a little notepad and just write it down every day. I will say, like, there are things that I know bother me that don't borrow bother Patty or don't bother mm-hmm. with, and mm-hmm. and vice versa. So I think clocking those things too, where it's like, there's probably some stuff that is like that he does that is like genuinely gross and genuinely in the way. And those are the things that he should handle. But there, maybe there's something that those like are the things that go on the list. Those are the things that go on the list. And then the other things it's like, I, I do think there are things that are like, I, I, I really care about like this, never like, like this thing, never like the sink, never getting filled up or whatever, like that kind of thing where it's like, I can do that. Like that's something that I'm willing to do and it doesn't bother me. And like finding those things where it's like, yeah. maybe this is something that, that bothers me more than it bothers this other person, because that is part of just like coexisting with another human being in the same space as you is like, right. I don't think you need to go so far. Like this is general to any roommate listening. Cause I think it's like, you don't necessarily go to whoever has the cleanest sensibility in the house, but mm-hmm. you definitely don't go to whoever. You just have to find that middle ground between the dirtiest and the, and the cleanest sensibility and like mm-hmm. find what, where that is. And so like have that real discussion really like modu- m- uh, modulate, 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 am- Am I having, is, is that a word? Modulate? Yes. It is? Yes. No. I, pr- I promise and now I'm scared. It's not a word. Modulate? modulate? Yeah. Have Modulate with him. I'm saying it and it's not sounding real to me. Well. Mo- you need, he needs to modulate his behavior. With he needs regards. to alter his behavior. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that. I mean, but specifically with in regard to like the middle ground that you come up with together. Mm -hmm. I also, this is like, you know, baby stuff, but I, but I think doing it at the same time, like being like, we are, we are both together cleaning right now is like a helpful thing too, because it might not bother him for days, but if you're like, all right, let's spend the next 10 minutes just cleaning shit up. Doing the communal, doing the stuff that you both agree on. Like you spent, while he's working and you're at home and you're bored, you do the deep clean of the bathroom. The stuff that bothers only you, that is on the, that is across the line of the middle ground into your territory. And then the stuff you do together is the stuff that is, that he should be caring about. Baseline shit at the yeah. same time. I'm so sorry that you can't play this for your husband um, because it's um, because I 
had a stroke in the middle of it. Um, I really <laughs> Which we're keeping in. We're keeping, we're keeping in. in because I, we need you guys to know that we're like we're human. And like I know like most of the podcasts we present is like these sort of infallible people who always have like a million amazing ideas and always give like perfect advice. So articulate. Like- <laughs> so articulate. The most articulate people you know, and that's why you listen to us. But <laughs> In this particular case, I am struggling so badly today to come up with good advice for you guys. And that's um, Amitra. Um, So I said some really fucked up stuff to Joel right before we right before we hit record. It was crazy. Um, (laughs) So we actually need to address that sort of on a friendship level off mic. So we're going to take a quick break. um, And when we get back, we're going to we sort of we sort of back ended the the rest of the podcast with stuff like, um, should I chew gum? Um, that's sort of the question level that we we put in the back half of the podcast. Oh my god! Should I chew gum? How should I chew my gum? Um, okay, Dana, get us out of here. I'm laughing. And we're back. Joel throws his arm to me. Says, "You go, you go, you go ahead. You take this one." I just feel like sometimes, like I need you to bring us back in with your DJ voice that you use only to bring us back in. I know. I how, but it's like I can't imagine being like. And we're back. <laughs> Doesn't that sound insane? I'm not like no. excited to come back when I like you hear my like normal ass little squeaky voice go and we're back. <laughs> yeah. But then you hear and we're back. And it's like, you know what? We're back. There's no denying we're back. Do you want to read the email, Joel? Yeah. <laughs> to I help me get out of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is your modulate. Um, this which is my modulate. still does not mo- modulate. Is it modulate? No. <laughs> Oh God, I'm gonna I can't wait to stop recording so I can rush to my computer and look this up. Okay. Mitra and Joel equals Joel and Mitra. Appreciate you both equally. Context. Pre-COVID, I had been making an effort to seek out gay friends in the DC area, which we know Joel thinks is toxic, whether it be an individual or small group. This wasn't something I just decided to do one day, rather because the last two years I have experienced a subtle sense of shame from uh, others for not having a lot of gay friends. People, gay and straight, seem to be shocked that I don't have plans to go to Rehoboth, Rehomo Beach with a group of gays, a list of must-dos during Pride, aspire to move into the D- D.C. metro area to be closer to gays, I live in the suburbs, must go on a gay cruise next year, and things of that nature. Those things sound great and are great, but here's the thing. I don't feel like I need all those things. I have been very happy and very filled by my existing social social circles and activities that are mostly comprised of heterosexuals with about five disparate gay men but in the last year i've been doubting that happiness sounds like i should be sounds like i should only be happy if i'm surrounded by other gays questions as a gay man is it important to have a strong and thriving group of gay friends should i force myself to have gay friends simply to have them how do i stop people from projecting their idea of an ideal gay life onto me sorry if that was too much okay (laughs) so funny to think that that would be too much when literally 90 percent of our things are about anal sex and diarrhea (laughs) yeah truly you think babe you think that's too much okay i love the the idea of like um a disparate group of five gay friends like (laughs) like sort of the anti uh queer eye well it's Um, like when i was in um when i was doing college improv there were like 18 people on my uh, improv team and it was split into two teams and there was there were only two girls so there's like one on each team so he's got like (laughs) one gay guy for each group (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One gay guy for each group. The disparate, um, the the unfab five. Unfab five. Unfab, unfab five, five is the name. Okay. Unfab five. Um, because here's the thing. Uh, um, I appreciate this question, and I and I'm an. 
The way you worded your questions, though, you have to know. So here's, I'm going to go through them really quick. As a gay man, is it important to have a strong and thriving group of gay friends? I don't know. Is it? Should I force myself to have gay friends simply to have them? No. How do I stop people from projecting their idea of an ideal gay life onto me? That's your question, sir. Okay? That is your question. Like, you and know the answer is how like, we're going to answer you, you can't stop people from, like, no. like I'm like, yeah, you, can't. you can't stop people from, um, pr- you can't stop people from believing. Like you can't stop people yeah. from like, per, like having an idea of what your life should be like. But at the end of the day, it's your life, and like it seems like you're happy. And your question is like, should I? Should my happiness come from a different place? Yeah, it is weird. I will say it is frustrating as a gay man, and I understand it. I'm on the opposite side of things than you. It is frustrating that as gay people, it does feel like straight people and gay people like have a very specific idea of what our identity should look like. And it is very policed in a way that um, is very, I'm not going to say it's more policed or less policed than any other minority identity, but it is policed in a very specific way that is unnerving to me as a gay man. And I completely agree with you and I completely empathize with you in that regard. But here's the thing, you mentioned a lot of stuff like the the, uh, cruise and going to the gay beach and pride stuff. And it's like, that's not what having gay friends, like I have plenty, I have a, a very large group of gay friends in LA that all we do is play code names and trivia and that is it. And then, and like we go and see like fucking Oscar bait movies and they would never step foot on the gay cruises. And then I have a group of friends that I go to the fucking circuit parties with and I go on the gay cruises with and I do all that stuff with. And it's not, and I don't see those people as my gay friends more so than the guys that I only do trivia with. Like, it's not right. about the activities. It is about, I personally do think that I am so lucky and blessed to have many, many, produ- like most of my friends I would say are gay. And I feel very lucky about that. Not because they're gay, but because of the makeup and the people that they are and the people that they, and the, the kind of like influence that they have had over my life. I will say I did not have a, a big group of gay friends until I moved to Chicago and it changed my life. It really did. And I think it can. And I don't know if you feel this as a woman or as a Brown person, but it is just like, I do think that there is an important, I, I, I didn't, I, having gay, like Asian friends has been so important to me. And yeah, so, I think and my life has gotten, so, ways. so my, my life gets richer when I find people who are in like the same or similar situations than me for sure. But like, I, I'm not friends with those people just because of that. Yeah. And I, I think what I, what I got from this description is like, it's not him talking. I feel like this person is not talking about like gay friends in general. It seems like they're co- sort of courting a specific group of gay people yeah. who do all of these things. And it's like, in that case, it sounds like maybe these just aren't the people who are going to be your friends. Like I guarantee yeah. there are other gay people in this big city who uh, definitely aren't like D- that. DC. So I, I think like perhaps you're just finding people right now who are not like, in line with your interests and you don't have to do those things or if you want to do some of those things you can but i i just think you're you're in a you're in a big city and there are going to be people who do other things and right. it might be overwhelming if it feels like you've just found like uncover this pocket of people who all like who who are into this very specific set of things but i just guarantee there are people who Yeah it's tough like because that. He only mentions the stuff he doesn't want to do. He doesn't mm-hmm. mention a lot of like other interests and i but i guarantee you that no matter what you're into there is like a gay Facebook group dedicated to that thing because yeah. we love to create a Facebook group. 
I wonder if it's like a matter of talking to those five disparate gay men, your unfab five and like and bringing them together or bringing them together. Or if it's a matter of like, I mean, that's something that I fucking love to do is like if I like I feel like I have this sort of alliance of like diverse young women in entertainment. And I try really hard to like get yep. us together in groups because they're just especially like young female diverse comedy writers where it's like there's just like a sprinkling of us so that's something that might be fun to do but also it's like see who they're hanging out with like ask them if they like what they're doing like ask them to invite you to their group hangs if they have gay friends um or 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 just organize your own happy hour for those five i like me and bo and yang and a group of like Asian gay guys, a couple like, but right before I left New York, and it made me so sad to leave New York because of this. Started going on happy hours, and it was some of like it was just so nice. There are things that you will find you will be able to talk about, and that you only they will be able to relate to you, even if it's like just once a month. I, I think your life will be enriched. And the thing is, is you can't do it because some rando straight person or rando gay person thinks you should. If you're happy then be happy. But I don't think that your unhappiness right now is like only stemming from um, the judgment that you feel. I think it's probably uh, 50-50. I think part of it is probably definitely you're feeling judged and that's making you unhappy. But I think that you're recognizing a hole in your life mm-hmm. and it's not the hole that m- most gay guys are interested in. All right? Oh. A nose hole. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I know my stuff. She knows all about gay culture. Thank you, Unfab <laughs> Five. Good luck to you. And truly, um, DC Force is Force your toxic. friends to hang out with each other. And truly, <laughs> DC is toxic. And let it be known, DC is toxic. Uh, okay. Um, you read this next one. Deal. Hi, Joel and Mitra. Love you both equally and could not pick my preferred parent even at gunpoint. Oh. That is cute, but Joel's name came first. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Asian American in my well, early Well, there's 20s. why. Oh, well, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> And have identified as as straight for my entire life, which checks out since I've been primarily romantically sexually attracted to men. However, at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, dicks disgust me. I hate to see a penis. This might extend to all genitalia, but I don't have much firsthand experience. Certain aspects of sex are still hot to me. But when I was in a year long relationship with a man, I usually dreaded sex, although for reasons that included repressing, depressing, and uh, body dysmorphia. At least, I think. All self-diagnosed, so take it with a grain of salt. Anyway, I think it's probably okay to identify as ace, gray ace, even if it turns out to be temporary. At least I hope. Feel free to correct me. But in an effort to work out my identity, what is the normal level of being repulsed by dicks and or other genitalia? Um, based on all the jokes out there about how awful dick pics are, I originally thought my reaction was pretty standard and I would eventually just get over it. But what are your experiences as my parents who have presumably had sex to conceive me and also as comedic material? Okay. So what do we want to name this person? So they're Um, disgusted by the sight of dicks. So we will explain what ace gray ace means. I think the context clues people probably picked it up, but, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, the the idea of like ace always reminds me of like the red baron so i was thinking <laughs> the gray baron <laughs> you know like a, an ace fighter pilot you know like uh-huh well should then, it be ace baroness this person is ace uh, or red baroness red gray baroness, baroness. Gray, baroness. The gray baroness the gray baroness yes um fighter <laughs> pilot um Incredible. so um 
ace is uh, uh is a term meaning asexual gray ace is sort of the gray area between um demisexual and asexual um which means you can have like romantic attachments and um i think i was doing some research on this some very light research because again it would be sort of anathema to what we do here at urgent care if i did tons of research right but i think like demisexual is sort of where it feels like from what you're describing this person is in which is sort of like you have romantic feelings towards a person um and but you may or may not develop sexual feelings towards that person unless you have very strong romantic feelings i do think it's hard though because it's specifically about dicks like this person hasn't said necessarily if they're like not interested in like sort of physical sexual contact in general like i think that's what's hard like i have experience dating someone who was asexual and like None of it was interesting to them. Um, and well, it's a spectrum, it's a spectrum like every other com- totally. Too, so, so it's like, I, I just, but I, but I, I, I guess I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I was just curious. I would, I, I do wish we had a little more experience about like how this person, I mean, I know they say they identify as Grace, Gray A slash ace but I, I was just like oh i just wonder like are you into like kissing someone that you're like romantically attracted yeah. to and the, this it, person doesn't have to disclose that but i was more curious sounds, like is this specifically about that one piece of the anatomy well and here's the thing that i really want to know because uh, when they i the, when they describe their pre- previous relationship um and dreading sex for all the reasons that they included um mm-hmm. including repressing depressing and um body dysmorphia at least i think all self-diagnosed i mean you know what we're gonna say you know go what we're gonna say go to, to therapy, because <laughs> um, you gotta figure it out there's those three things alone i mean there's so much to unpack there and i do think that i don't want to i don't want to disrespect because i i think actually um having known asexuals in my life as well, people who identify as asexual, they wouldn't describe it as being as stemming from repressed depression or uh, body dysmorphia. That is not, it is as, it, it is exactly the same as my sexual orientation, which is I was born that way. And as far back as I can remember, that is how I have felt about sex. I think it's so, hard for people. I mean, just from my own experience, being involved with someone who was sort of realizing this about themselves in the time that we were dating Mm -hmm. was that there was some depression and dysmorphia that stemmed from this and self-hate that that stemmed from this discovery. So I, I'm, I guess I'm just curious, like is the, and it, you know, it's all such a mix of things, but I, but I know with, with this particular person and I'm trying to make this like as vague as possible, but I know that there was a lot of, things that came for this person, like negative emotions that came from it because they were in the process of figuring out this huge thing about themselves. Yeah. So, and it's not a question of like chicken before the egg because it's all related and it's all intermixing Mm -hmm. and like things lead to other things or heighten other things. So it's, I'm not saying one necessarily causes the other or like on all that, but I'm just saying like, I wonder, is this, is the way that you feel what, like, where is it coming from? And then th- finding that out and understanding it a little better will, will come so much easier if you're going to therapy. And yeah. it's it's such a bummer because there's really not... Th- I know when I dated this person, I had 
no experience with it. I really didn't know anything about it. I kind of like obviously understood just sort of like the blanket idea of what it was, but Mm -hmm. I really didn't know what it meant. And when I did my homework, it was really hard to, to like learn a lot because there's just not as much about asexuality and gray sexuality and all that gray asexuality because it's just not as talked about. It's like, it's, it's a little less like front facing. I feel like, like you're not like they're like, it's not like you have to necessarily like announce it. Like there's less of a coming out or something like that. I also, I also wonder how much this person has sought out other people like, um, uh, who identify in that same way. Like, I wonder if this person has like, you know, sought out the the asexual visibility and education network i wonder have they gone to any you know uh you know i'm a big proponent of reddit shout out to everybody who came to our ama uh, (laughs) and asked us questions we love you all but i wonder like have you spoken to other um uh asexual people or demisexual people or you know like i wonder about that too like i because i think like obviously go to therapy that's sort of the baseline advice that we always give everybody but also maybe you know seek out other people and 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 you know compare and contrast nobody's experience is going to be exactly the same as everybody else's experience but i think finding a support group of people who understand you and understand that yeah um, see if there are things that you recognize in yourself or things that you identify with it'll it'll feel less confusing if if, i mean with anything it's like representation you want to see you want to see people talking about the things that you feel. And yeah. that might be a place where you can either confirm or like you, it might help you just confirm things about yourself that you already believe or know to be true. Yeah. So that's definitely, I, I know message boards really helped my friend just like reading what other people were saying to each other about how they were feeling. Do you think penises are disgusting? Um, I don't think they're disgusting, but I don't think they're beautiful. Like really? I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, yes, really. Um, wow. I, I definitely have seen, ones that I think are more beautiful than others, but I'm certainly not like, like, I mean, there are definitely ugly penises. There are I think definitely ugly ones. <laughs> famously, there are ugly penises. Penises out there looking like driftwood, but I do think <laughs> that the, generally the idea of a penis is quite nice. And I, and I would say the average penis, uh, there, I think more penises are beautiful than not. I mean, I think I personally am like working through a lot of like repression and shame related to genitalia. And like I I spend a lot of time like I really love the websites where you see like a bunch of people like people will just take pictures of what their like pussies and dicks look like. And you just look at it and you yeah, see all the different ways. Porn it can look. Mitra? God. <laughs> yeah. All the I love seeing just sort of like a tight shaved little pussy. <laughs> I mean, but I do really. Um, But like but also but it, but it's just nice to see all the like the different ways it can look and like that's something that like that's my own sort of journey with that because like it was just not i i um you know iconically received horrible sex education and like i yeah. just really had a lot of what i i think i i'm like probably still over time going to be unpacking like things where i'm like oh my god i guess um i feel really bad about that and why do i feel bad about that and that's something where it's like i don't i do not think like bodies are beautiful and like i'm like still like going i i, I think they're much more beautiful than i used to think they are but i i am not somebody who um like at, at you know 
I don't know what age this pro in early twenties. Yeah. I like I'm now 27 and I'm like starting to think that like bodies are beautiful in the past yeah. couple of years. But I, I would say like, I don't think this person is alone by any means. And I certainly relate to the sentiment of like, Oh God, it's ugly, but like get it in me. And like, now it's like, <laughs> now it's like, Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I've been looking at my own dick since I was a young child of being like, this is amazing and beautiful and gorgeous. Um, <laughs> And so I, I just think that like there's such dick worship, but there's less. I mean, it, like there's less like vagina work, like less pussy worship. And yeah. um, so it just and took it's pretty it, nice, too. I don't think I'm not one of those gay guys who thinks uh, vaginas are disgusting. We famously remember when we used to be like you handle the body stuff and I'll do the vagina stuff. And remember then we were quickly, like, oh, my God, like it's I'm the bits we this. used to. Run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have time for one last one that's very quick. Um, okay. Dana, play this Play this call, this last call. Hey, Joel and Nitra, Mitra and Joel, long time. First time I co-host podcast, neither my girlfriend nor my co-host girlfriend listened to it. Should we care? <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of experts on this. I, I don't give the, the how business-like this person is. <laughs> so what um, sort of casting on my own? <laughs> yeah. I'm just casting on, on my, my own. <laughs> and it's sung. Again, it's another sung title. It is sung. Um, casting on my own. Um, well, I would I say we are experts on this, though. I, famous, I, famously, <laughs> I famously have a quarantine boyfriend that I talk mad shit about on this podcast. <laughs> so he clearly doesn't listen to this. And I am thankful for it you have a, a boyfriend you're very reticent to speak about on this podcast what does witless does wit listen to the podcast do you know no he doesn't i and do, you, and do you care no i i think it's good because it allows me to the times that i do speak about him i'm like well it's fine yeah i know <laughs> um, you got, that's what i i would celebrate this and you see, you see it as an opportunity to talk about them i don't know it's hard to know like you know, if your podcast is about golf, like how much is your girlfriend coming up or your, your, uh, my, poems, but. yeah, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I just think like I'm producing an hour to like an hour and 15 minutes of new material every week. And it's a lot to ask for people to listen after we're yeah. spending every single fucking second together in quarantine. I think when you're putting out new stuff regularly, it, it's, not quite fair to expect people like people have yeah. their own lives and you can't expect people to listen to you talk for an hour straight once a week unless they want to in which case thank you and but but i'm like i especially the people who are spending so much time with you it's yeah, like I, I spend you, a you million really, hours a week with wit i can't i could i could never expect him to listen to, listen to, to you talk more. for an, an extra hour <laughs> when you're not in the room i, I think like it really does like you get you get a couple of things that you're like, this is important to me and you must support it. And you get like a couple of things a year. Like, and, and <laughs> if, the, if you want to make your podcast that thing and you want to run up your credit with your podcast, then by all means, make it an issue and make it a thing that you say, you sit your, your partner down and you say, listen, this is important to me and I really wish you would listen to it. And then, and that, and that's and that's their thing. But then, if you do shows outside of it, if you do like other stuff, then it's like they you cannot expect them to show up. I think for everything that you do, if you're in a creative field, I really don't like. I really like. I'm like, like Debra's. Like, I'm like supporting. Like, I like love to promote Debra's because I love the show. But also, I know it is like a huge moment for you in your career. And like, 
that is like not uh, like uh, it just makes sense for me to do that because it's like a once in a lifetime or yeah. now. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a big deal. And I think like you save the things that you expect your close friends and partners to show up for, for the big deal stuff. And right. if, this, like and if you your want, podcast is the big deal thing, then by all means, like have that conversation. But I just totally I don't well, it's like you want your family to come to your wedding. Not every date. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So. <laughs> that's an amazing analogy and deborah's is your wedding i'm not coming to your wedding by the way you are in i'm the wedding. i'm only <laughs> i'm only tweeting about deborah's and that is as and that is that is, me coming is the to your wedding. wedding it yeah. really is um and modulate is a word i, I checked um oh, just but to weirdly sort of... <laughs> now it's starting to sound like a word when you Aww, say it thank you modulate. <laughs> I don't know that is modulate. Anyways, so yeah, I guess it's for you to decide if your podcast is your wedding. That's what you need to decide. You should get married on the podcast. Get married on the pod and then they have to listen. Yeah. So they will. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> and good night. And um, that is um, another absolutely flawless episode. Hour. We stuck the landing. We really did. This really did, as it always does, pepped me right up. I mean, you can't tell from my posture because I am lying fully on my back. In um, the dark. Do- Joel in is the dark. fully in darkness at this point. <laughs> and it's actually not dark out. So it's nope. amazing how dark Joel's room I is. I put newspaper that it is on broad the daylight. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> um, Dana is absolutely glowing in the sun uh, glowing in the sun mitra's like sort of in the spotlight of a sun ray and i'm in pitch black ryan we don't know we don't know where he ryan Ryan could be anywhere ryan's always we never know where ryan is um and that's (laughs) sort of something we love about ryan um that's the show um that's the show and we promise next week um it will be better Every week it gets better and better. And, and I just want to say, I'm not going to make that promise. Um, no, I'm, I'm promising right now for both of us. <laughs> I'm promising now for both of us that next week we will be so on fire. Every name will be fucking golden. Uh, <laughs> every name will be good next week. Every single name. No one will be able to complain because every name will be good next week. Um, but this week. <laughs> every name was really good. Really but- sharp. Really sharp. <laughs> um, and I promise that next week I will know all my words. Every word that I say, I will know. <laughs> and next week I'm going to talk about more visual artwork that I'm working on that I can't show you at all. So. Yeah, people love when you do that. They can't get enough of it. They never mention it. Um, um, well, if you guys want to call into the podcast, you should first maybe even consider emailing. I'm killing time while I type in the Twitter handle so I can look at the description because I refuse to write it down. Okay, so email us at urgentcarepod at gmail.com or call us at 323-334-0371. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, and hey, if this was the first episode you listened to, maybe go back and listen to the one before this too. Just give us another shot, okay? Just give us one more shot, please. Give oh us God. one more You're shot. You're selling out this episode in a way that is actually <laughs> very upsetting to me and my family. But no, 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 no. That's a part of it. It's a bit. It's a bit. The way I'm selling out this episode is a bit. It's a part of it. It's, it's making impossible people laugh. to know because it's you are in people pitch laugh. black right now. <laughs> okay. Anyways, thank you, producer Dana. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, July. Thank you, Colin Anderson. And especially... No greater thanks can go to anybody but my gorgeous, beautiful co-host who I can't wait to be in the same room again. 
with <sighs> Mitra Johari. Thank you so much for the bottom Thank of my Thank you to my beautiful, absolutely heart. drenched, cloaked in shadows, Joel Kim Booster, <laughs> laying down. You can see, you, all you can see is that his legs are spread wide open. And yeah, he's laying I already down, took a melatonin. And I'm going to bed after this. It's <laughs> 6 o'clock. It um, is 6.19 p.m. I love you so much. Thank you I for listening. You. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>